We're going to go ahead and get started. I, you know what? I want you to eat and have a good time and fellowship. But right now, I um, just want to go over the purpose of what we're doing here today. And I'll just say, we've never gone this way before here at Good News. And I'm excited about what God's doing. I feel like God is really, um, we've started in a prophetic ministry about four years ago, maybe five years ago. And I feel like God is just really birthing some new things. And he really wants to take, he really wants the church to operate with hearing his voice, not coming up with great ideas, but really operate by hearing his voice. Just as Moses, you know, he was, God gave him the whole download for the tabernacle. That's how God wants us to operate today. And so I've got a group of people around this table and they are as far they're from council bluffs all the way to grand Island. And we're going to go around the table and begin to introduce everybody's going to introduce themselves. And I'm going to have you guys tell maybe two things about yourself. It doesn't, you can share whatever you want to share. Um, I know we always say, oh, I'm from this church or I'm from that church. You can say that, but share two things about yourself because we're, I can't, um, there's just several, there's a few people from Good News on this team, but there's several people from outside of Good News. And I feel like it's so important to hear across the region what God is speaking to the, speaking to the church in this region. And like I said, we're um, this Nebraska, Iowa region. And so this group of people, we've been praying for about 30 days of, God, what are you, what are you speaking? What, is, what word do you want to release? And so um, we're going to go around, and we're going to give everybody, first they're going to share their name and a little bit about themselves, and then we're going to give them an opportunity to all share what God has been speaking to them. And uh, we're going to try to, we're, it's not in for a big theological discussion, and then we're going to try to wrap it all up together at the end. And one of the things I, um, some of us put our words, we're, we, we've been comparing words of what God's been speaking. We have not talked before about all of this. And so many of these words, you'll be amazed when you begin to hear them of how God is speaking the same thing. And you know what? He's, he's always speaking the same thing. We're just fine. We're hearing and hearing well. So I just, let's just open in prayer and we're going to begin this. And I, I would ask you to have grace because we've never done this here before. Amen. I would appreciate your grace. So Father, we just welcome you. God, we thank you for just the outpouring you've been just drenching us with for the last 24 hours. And God, we just look forward to the more. We look forward to what you want to say to your church today. God, we just welcome you. We welcome you to speak to us and through us. Thank you that you've used these um, individuals today. Thank you, God, that we have people that are hearing your voice and declaring it in the earth. God, we love you and bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll start. My name is Chris Ford. I'm an associate pastor here at Good News Church. Um, I am originally from Iowa, uh, Council Bluffs, Iowa. I was raised on a farm over there. Um, I am, have been married for, I don't want to tell you how long. I've already told you how old I was this morning. So um, I've been married for 34 years. I have two adult children and one beautiful granddaughter and a beautiful daughter-in-law. So that's me. Hey, my name is Kevin Fox, and uh, two things. Uh, one, I'm married to my the love of my life, Kate Fox, and we have two children, Ethan and Elizabeth, and I'm glad to be here. My name is Diane Corey, and I have three sons and a wonderful husband, Scott, and we have four grandchildren and two beautiful daughter-in-loves. My name is Carrie Denning, and I grew up in a on a farm in Iowa, and um, God is branching me out into youth ministry. Um, Vincent Price. I grew up in a farm in North Dakota. <laughs> uh, I go to uh, Good News Church here. Um, 
And I, well, I've never been married, don't have any uh, children, but the Lord told me I will. <laughs> I'm Terry Cole from Council Bluffs and originally from Omaha. But uh, I'm married to Jim, have three children and seven grandchildren. I'm Christelle Fortune, and I'm from Omaha. I am married to Lewis, husband, and I have two teenage daughters. That's about it. My name is Tyler Bundy. My wife, my beautiful wife, is back there, Edie. Her name's Lucrece. Um, and I have three boys. We've been married for 11 years, and uh, fun fact, I, ha- I was in third, third, and fourth grade when I was homeschooled by my mom. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure how to top that. My name is Tracy Cooney. Um, I have an amazing husband, Dan. We've been married for 26 years. We have two grown sons that are the loves of my life. And I'm just honored to be here. And I was never homeschooled. My name's uh, Jason Miller. I'm originally from Arkansas. I now live in Omaha. Uh, I've been married 13 years to my wonderful wife, Wendy. We have two boys, uh, Jackson and Landon, both six and four. Hi, my name's Steve Warner. I'm from Grand Island, Nebraska. Pastored there for 25 years. Gave that up a year and a half ago and put it in the sun in my son's hands. And we are now been slung out to the nations, doing work in Bible schools around the world, doing revival meetings and all those kind of things. So have a blast. I am Jody Laid, and um, my husband's name is Marco, and I, we have two boys that are 25 years old that, um, that this church prayed into our family. And um, I've been involved um, in prayer ministry for many, many years, and um, I'm just... It, I'm just weepy today. Just feel like I'm experiencing the fulfillment of, of many things. That, just the beginnings and the not even the beginnings, but all the things that God wants to do in our city and in our region. Okay, roundtable people, we've got to talk a whole lot louder. You guys can't. I understand you can't hear us. Is that correct? So I'm going to ask you, and it's your turn to go. You're going to have to stand up and maybe step away from the table and talk nice and loud into the mic. So everybody, so sorry if that's putting you on the spot. We have two more, and I think um, I'm just going to have you guys introduce yourselves. And then you, they are, the, uh, he, he's, he's been double trouble, I heard somebody say. But they, uh, you guys can come to the table, you know. I'll have you guys introduce yourselves, and then when you're finished eating, you can come over and join us. I'm Tiger Woods. Okay, I'm not really Tiger Woods. I'm Jeff Kaiser. And uh, my wife and I, the blonde, we've been married. We just celebrated number 29. And uh, so, yeah. I'm Burton Holland. They call me Bud. Yeah, Bud. Have a lot of kids, a lot of grandkids. But fun fact for me, we had a chance to pray for a lot of people for healing over the years. And I just got, through the last few years, diagnosed my back through an injury. It was bad enough. They said I can't walk, which, of course, I'm walking. But I had my wife, when it was all over with, all the was over with, I had my wife pray, went and measured myself. I had just got passed by my oldest grandson uh, on the wall, had my wife measure me, and I grew an inch and a quarter after she prayed for me. 
I just, um, I was just told that there's a lot more food. So if anybody, don't make a big rush, but casually, you know, go over there and grab a little food. And um, we're going to go ahead and start just sharing what God, we believe God's been speaking to the church in this region. And we're just going to go clockwise around the table. And so, Kevin, we're going to start with you. Um, I'm just going to share just what God's been putting on our hearts, or at least my heart. Um, Seismic shift in a state that knows and is prepared for storms. I believe God is bringing something totally different, unusual shakings. Like in Acts chapter 4, after praying together, I I sense God is saying there is a shaking that is going on. This is going to change the landscape of the church. It has already begun, and it is not limited to one church or denomination. This emerging revival of the Holy Spirit has already begun in churches that you might least imagine and in the hearts of religious leaders that you might believe would be the least possible to turn. This revival will not be championed by any one church or leader, but seen as an unusual decentralized movement that could only be orchestrated by my spirit. My word proves true that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, the unseen. God is looking at the overlooked, not even the second, third, or fourth choice. Like David, God's looking at not even the seventh choice, but the one not even considered. But I sense God is saying, I see the hunger, I see the preparation that has gone, gone on outside of the spotlight. I'm calling many out of the wilderness and the pasture land for this time. They have been, they have, they have a godly confidence that will rough, ruffle the feathers of some, but some in the body, but that will leave some in the body grumbling. Who do they think they are? I believe the Father is saying, some that I'm calling may not know how to relate with the body, but. They are moving in undeniable manifestations of the Spirit. Be gracious. I say again, be gracious with them because they know how to move by my Spirit in the marketplace and in homes. In their struggle to fit in in the local church, help them find a place to belong. That you may both grow together. That you may both benefit from one another, not cut off from each other, but both tied into Christ, the head. Uh, Generation Z. I long to pour out my spirit on all flesh among this generation. They will be marked like a New Testament tribe of Zebulun. Gen Z, a Zebulun generation. They are designed to be equipped with every weapon of warfare, with full access to the Holy Spirit. But I'm also bringing about a fulfillment of Malachi 4.6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. They will long to run out with a courage not seen in previous generations. But I'm also calling for a wisdom, a built-in desire for wisdom and mentoring, that they would replicate, they, that they would not replicate the failings of previous moves in the church. I long that they would temper the Zebulun boldness with an Issachar wisdom and insight. I have not called them to charge forward apart from wisdom of the forerunner generations that have gone before them. Be cautious to loose Gen Z leaders 
who only see their own generation. However, lift up on your shoulders those who will ask the forerunners for wisdom, revelation, and for a blessing. Do they need that? No, they could do their own thing. But those who seek the older generation will be catapulted and seen as mature beyond their years. By demonstrating that heart, you will know that they are the ones called for this hour. They will win the hearts of the young and the old, and they will radiate my heart for my bride and for the world. Good word. Um, first one, I have several here. First one, Lazarus families. I see Lazarus families coming forth in this year. Whole families walking out of grave clothes and into wholeness and healing. Resurrection power in families. What, what um, was spoken in Malachi 4, 6 is being released over families as well as John eleven twenty five that says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. The prophetic movement. We are in the center of a prophetic resurgence. More people are hearing God's voice, having dreams and visions more than any time in history. True prophets are coming out of the cave where they will have, they will be, they have been prepared in the fire and the school of adversity. God is going to use them to bring alignment to the realignment to the church and to help to purify and mature the church in the prophetic movement. Delay. The one day I was driving through town and I couldn't, I couldn't get from one place to the other. And there were delays everywhere due to all the road construction that's going on in town. It was from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, he is giving the church a delay. It's a pause. It's a break. It's a stay. It's a suspension. Um, from his either I'm not sure if it's his correction um, or whether it's a stay to help us get our get our house in order for revival we need to get our hearts right before him and each other he is tearing up old pathways and he's creating new ones between churches ministries and people he wants the church to align with what he is doing bridal tents I had a vision of bridal tents scattered all throughout um, a big field, and Jesus was looking for a place to pitch his tent among them. God is bringing Jesus back into the forefront and has, and as the head of his church, the focus of the church will be Jesus. He will look, we will look, walk, and we will act like Jesus. He will tabernacle among us as other leader, as a, as our leader and our shepherd in a fresh and new way. The new wine. The Lord has been speaking to me about the new wine. Matthew nine, Mark two, and Luke five. The new wine is being poured out in this season, and the new wine is Jesus. He really wants to be poured out into the center of the church. He's looking for sanctified, holy wineskins to be poured into. Jesus is the new wine flowing among the altars and around the pulpits and into the church governments. Wine has a fragrance. It, um, the aroma can be floral, citrus, fruity, um, vegetal, earthy, or any number of familiar scents, depending on the grape. He is the choice grape, and he is all of those fragrances. No longer will God tolerate leaders taking from others in order to build kingdoms for themselves. Jealousy, competition, and programs glorifying man are being dismantled and replaced with new wineskins. Baal systems are being replaced with the plans and the purposes of the Holy Spirit. Sin and corruption in the church must be exposed. It's a new wineskin, and it's Jesus. Church boards are being realigned and reassigned. He is bringing a new wineskin to the church, to Jesus, so that he can be poured out and poured into a fresh container. He is our new wine. Jesus will not fit into man's man-made theologies and man-made structures. The bottle is to be uncorked so Jesus can be poured out. 
women. I continue to see women standing around fire pits and warming themselves in the presence. God is bringing groups of women together to fan the flame, interceding and bringing forth a move of God. Broken bones. The, bone, the, the body of Christ has broken bones. The bones are not just dry, but they're broken and fractured. Bones re- represent the promises and the prophetic destiny in God. They are the skeletal framework on which the flesh is hung. So they represent the prophetic destiny and the foundation in God for our city and our region. Jesus' bones weren't broken, and that's because he represents hope and the promise of God that can't be broken when we covenant with him. We need to be a company of people who act as if we believe that the promises of God never fail. The breaking of the bones has been caused by church splits, schisms, between groups of people and individuals, self-promotion, and an orphan spirit that rests upon many leaders. In the Valley of Dry Bones, Ezekiel 37, the bones weren't just burned, but they were broken and they were scattered about. The bones were disconnected from each other. They were cut off from their complementary parts. It's hope, destiny, and relationship cut off within the body, individualism, independence, and self-promotion. I believe the Lord is saying that he wants to restore that destiny. He wants to restore hope and life back into the city through reconnecting the bones, the broken bones of uh, fractured groups of people. Um, And uh, that's about it. Tracy, do you want to? Oh, Tracy, Tracy and I were together actually when we got that bone word a couple of weeks ago, and she's got another piece of it. So. Okay, so I'll just give you the second half of that. Um, so I, we were just having a conversation, and I, I, I heard the Lord say that he's coming to break bones to reset them. So the body in our city region has experienced a lot of what seemed to be broken promises and disappointment. That's the broken bones. The Lord was showing me a picture of broken bones being reset. He told me many hearts had experienced fractures that weren't set correctly. He said many hurts, offenses, and wounds did not go through proper procedures of repentance and forgiveness. Many bandages and casts were left unchecked and even ignored altogether in some cases. This has caused what doctors call delayed union and non-union. God wants to remove the casts once for all and bring complete healing, restoration, and freedom for his people. He's inviting us to bring complete healing, restoration, and, excuse me, he's inviting us to undergo surgery. He is the surgeon, so there is nothing to fear. As mentioned in the above word of this, okay, so, um, the Lord showed me in separation and unity that this was how he was going to re-break the bones and reset them. The first step is to enter into the secret place with him and allow him to show you where and what the broken bones are for you. His kindness will lead you to repentance. The second step requires that we reconcile with our brothers and sisters. He will show you who. He will help you to release them into his care. He will help them too. The procedure may be painful, but he will comfort us through it. The re-breaking and resetting is absolutely necessary to begin to receive and walk out the promises and purposes of God for your life, for the body of Christ in our region and city, and for the kingdom. Psalm 51, 7 and 8. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice.
Okay, so the Lord has been speaking to me about identity, and I woke up in the middle of the night um, hearing him speak this to me. Purity is not something you do or keep. It's something you are in the Lord. You do not obtain it until you come into a knowing of who you are in Christ, because only in him can we be pure. It's not an act. It's a knowing of your identity in the creator. And I just feel like God is really emphasizing identity right now in knowing who we are in him and our pureness comes from staying rooted in the truth of who he is and who we are in him and separate from him we are nothing um, the next point that he's been highlighting to me is creativity and creativity is part of our identity in christ god is the original creator in genesis he tells us that we are made in his image and we are also called to create our creative expression is part of the nature of God in us. I believe that as a body, we have allowed the, the secular world to dominate the creative realm. And there has been a deception in the place of creativity in adulthood. And God wants to take back that territory and bring truth in, into knowing there is a place for playing and being creative all through our lives. He's already begun and will continue to push us into a, mo a more creative atmosphere in the arts. I believe we will see creativity serve a bigger purpose in the church body. Um, the third point that I had is about being in process. And I really believe that God is a, a God of process. And in every Bible story and everything that happens in the kingdom, there's a process in the story. Um, God spoke to me that everyone will say yes to the destination, but few will say yes to the process. Um, and he led me to the scripture, John seventeen ten in the Passion Translation. For all who belong to me now belong to you, and all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. And I feel like God wants to redefine what surrender really looks like. And break our boxes. In order to get to the destination, we have to fully surrender to the process. That is how we will see his glory revealed in the earth. God is working things out of us in the process so we don't take it into the destination, just like he did with the children of Israel. Those that have said yes to the process are all in different stages. And I believe God is saying, don't give up, keep pressing forward forward there will be fruit and you will reach the promised land in connection with process god showed me two separate visions that i believe are connected um, the first one was a crack stretched across a dry land and i saw um, small green sprouts and plants beginning to sprout up around in and around the crack and the second picture was of a dark black womb that colorful flower started springing up and completely filling. And I believe these two visions signify a dryness and a barrenness that we have been experiencing in our region for quite some time, but that God is bringing new life and lushness into our region that we have been contending for. Um, so with mine, the Lord gives me a lot of uh, visions. And in this one, uh, it was the last Friday before I went on Christmas vacation. He was down in the prayer and worship room here with a group of young adults. Um, and 
during the worship, the Lord just took me in this, in this open vision where I saw this huge, mighty waterfall um, <clears throat> coming from heaven down to earth, and, and when it crashed down on earth, it was it was just the, the glory of the Lord was, was all in it, and and over time, he just progressed it and, and took me deeper in, into this vision um, <clears throat> where then he showed me the source of it. It was coming from this, this still calm lake in heaven of the Holy Spirit, uh, and as it continued to run it it was producing this river on earth that was just flowing out through us and and right through our, every one of us and evergreen trees were were sprouting forth all along the banks and every, every one of those trees was was a newborn believer each one of us uh, filled with the holy spirit and then all of a sudden from the depth of the lake not a wave but this big surge of water just came out of this the the center and the depth of the lake and, and spilled out over into the waterfall, came down to earth, and, and just went crashing through the valley all lovingly and gently. It was towering over all the evergreen trees and just washed over every one of them. And after it passed, <coughs> then there was just one evergreen tree left. And, and it just kept, it kept enlarging and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And as soon as I saw this, I, I knew that, that it's Jesus. So... What what they were just sharing here about the process and and what the Lord's doing, um, what, he, what he's saying this is the next the next wave the next outpouring of his, his spirit is soon to happen. We had one uh, a, a few years ago here. Uh, it's already happened, and and the next wave is coming. And he's taking us through this special process to uh, prepare us for this end time harvest and and the callings in our lives and this great work that he has for each of us to do in this region and it's taking a long time because he has to do it he's doing it in a special way in answer to prayers that people have been praying where we're longing and crying out to him for a pure move of his spirit a move that will last a move that man can't get in and mess up uh and it's even been a cry in my heart that once it's established that it will last until the rapture it you know enough of these two to four year uh outpourings um so with this he, he wants you to know that when the wave comes and it passes, it hasn't left. Uh, many, many people, they, they come running from all over for the signs of miracles and wonders, but then when that ends, they go back. But he showed me a few, a few stay. They stay seeking him. They're, and that's what he's looking for is that remnant that's after his heart, that beyond the signs of miracles and wonders, they, what their heart is crying out for is Jesus to be like him, to be one of him. So with these evergreen trees disappearing and the one remaining, that's a life hidden in Christ. So this process is going to be wave after wave <clears throat> is uh, to build us up and prepare us so we can hold with pure hands and clean hearts everything he's going to give us. And he's, and it's going to be more than in the past. So it, it, he said it's a longer preparation time, a, uh, a special time, a special preparation so we are able to hold more than ever before without falling to pride and, and, and falling to the flesh. Um, and, and I released a word to the young people there. The Lord said, this, I'm, I'm calling and preparing this generation for, for this work and the calling that's on your lives. And when he, when he first spoke to me, this generation, I thought he was talking about those 20-somethings that were in there, the, the teenagers and the 20-somethings. But later he said, no. He said, when I say this generation... It's every one of you that are my children today, that are alive today. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. Every one of you, you're a part of this generation, and there's and I have a place for every one of you. 
right by my side. I long for nothing less than you to be right by my side in this work. So, um, so the main main thing to take away is when this next wave comes. I don't know how long, how far off it is. I, I it's, know it's soon, and when it passes, don't think it's over. Don't think that's it. It. God said it's never going to go away. When when I saw that that waterfall, it felt old to me. Like it's been there for a while. Most people don't see it. But he he said he said what I started on that with that first wave. He said it's never going to go away. It's never going to leave. What you've been asking for, I'm doing in this special way. And it goes with a a word he gave us on July 4th of 2012, where. It, it comes in, in bursts each time. Breaks, it's bigger than before. Each time it pulls back less than before. And when it's finally done, and he, he, he won't give me release to see how long it's going to take or how many times it's going to take. Um, but he, when it, once done, I heard an angel cry out from heaven saying, it is established. And with that, I got full revelation that that it's going to stay. It's going to cover this whole state of Nebraska and then some. And it, it, it's going to be his presence hosted here in the heartland. And the, and the main message there is I'm after your heart, your, your entire heart. So everything there they've been saying is just how that process of getting there. Uh, so just yield yourself to everything the Lord has, has for you during this time. So, yeah, I thought I was going to just be with 12 people. So this is rather a surprise. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and so I didn't come prepared very much, but I just really feel like the Lord, the things that we've been praying for, for years and years and years, that this is the day of fulfillment. I really believe that it talks about in Acts 3.21, the period or the time of restoration. And I believe that our prayers, our contending have led up to this time. And I believe it is a time of restoring Zion. I believe it really is the time of the Lord coming suddenly to his temple and, and, his, and his glory filling the temple. And we know the times where the glory filled the temple and the tabernacle. And we knew, know in Solomon's temple, the glory filled the temple. And I believe this is a day where the glory is going to fill the temple. We are the living stones. He will be seen in and through us. And I, I always wondered why Zion, you know, we've come to Zion to, um, to the living, to, to new Jerusalem, um, the living God, the myriads of angels, to saints made perfect, to Jesus our mediator. But then there's so many scriptures that talk about Zion and, uh, and disrepaired and in ruins. And I really believe that the Lord, he's raised us to Zion, but this is the day that he, that the, the, the ruined Zion on earth. He's coming to his temple. He's coming to his Zion. He's restoring. He's rebuilding. He's building. He's, he's, he's connecting the breach. He's the one that will do it. And when I look at it, it's not so much we're doing, but he's doing. And I feel like there's, there's a different posture in this season. And it's really a, a time to receive. It's open wide and receive. It's so much about surrender and let him. It's so much about him cutting off. Even just like when you think of Isaiah 4, it's, uh, you know, he comes and, and he, with a spirit of burning and a spirit of judgment. So many of us have been locked into and almost enslaved to certain sins and 
old behaviors and patterns that we cannot get free of. I believe the spirit of judgment is breaking off those familiar spirits. I believe the the spirit of judgment is breaking off so that he can be seen in all his glory through us. I believe the burning in the, or else the soap that we see in Malachi or the refining fire, it's a wonderful fire. It's a beautiful fire. It's a purifying fire. And it's just submitting to it. It's opening up wide and receiving and his glory will be seen through us. I think we're living in such amazing days that this is the time of restoration. Hey, um, closer, my coat, like this, oh, Standing at the the top of the Nebraska State Capitol building is a statue called the Sower, casting the seeds of life over prepared ground. The Lord has been speaking to me about this sower and that this is a prophetic symbol of who the Lord says we are called to be. We are sowers, not planters. Planters place seed strategically where, where they want it, one by one. But we are called to lavishly broadcast good seed in an open field, not concerned where the seed falls. Some seed will be lost, but what takes hold will produce an abundance greater than the losses. Matthew 13, 27 through 28 says, So the farmer's hands came to him and said, Sir, wasn't that good seed that you sowed in the field? Where did all these weeds come from? He answered, this has to be the work of an enemy. The Lord assures us there will surely be a harvest. What we sow will determine the size and health of the harvest. Galatians 6 tells us the harvest you reap reveals reveals the seed that was planted. If you sow the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you sow the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. There are weeds of bitterness, resentment, and judgment among us. So I ask, what is in your hand? What seeds have we as the church sown into this community? What seeds have we sown with one another? Have we sown good seed? Are we sowing thankfulness or grumbling? Are we sowing suspicion or trust? We cannot sow disunity and expect to reap revival. Ask Holy Spirit to search our hearts and expose every seed of corruption. Then we must sow repentance and we will reap righteousness. And the world will know who we belong to by our love and see the goodness of God. Then the harvest will be full. The Lord says, don't be consumed and toil in the work in your own effort and leaning on your own understanding, but instead turn your face towards me and I will fill your bag with seed even as you sow it so that the harvest of your righteousness will grow. We must leave no room for the enemy to sow weeds in this region where Jesus desires his full reward. Then we pray for prepared soil in the hearts of people to be ready to receive good seed.
I tried to write mine all out, but I couldn't put it into words really. So, um, for a while I didn't know what to ask God for, for a word. And then I decided I really need to come up with something cause I'm asked to be here. And then the night that I asked him, he gave me a dream. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Makes it so much easier. Um, that night I got a dream and, um, for the purpose of clarity, I'm going to omit, omit some details of it. But my wife and I, we were in a house, in a house next to the east or west coast. We were by a body of water, and there was a natural disaster coming, and we knew it, and we were preparing for it. So we were packing up our things to leave. So I went downstairs into the basement, and I look out, my, look out the window, and right when I look out the window, my house starts to sink. And it the, the pace quickened tremendously. And I look out the window and I see the waves rushing and getting larger. And I knew the urgency just increased. The interesting thing about that part, I'm gonna I'm gonna break this into two parts, is that we knew some we knew something was coming. And we were already preparing for it. But there was a visible, a, visible, a visible shift that we noticed. And the intensity quickened tremendously. And instead of a slow packing, we went to a running, preparing for what was to come. And then the scene shifted and we moved to a... Where we were going, we were going to a warehouse or a storage place. Um, a place where food and storage and supplies were being saved. And it wasn't just my supplies. It was the supplies of the body of Christ. And they were all coming to this one location to store all these supplies for a time that's coming, that's coming quickly. And then, and then I woke up. Um, and immediately I got an interpretation and then over, um, a couple uh, last week, I got a second part to that inter- interpretation. But the coming from our individual home to the storage place, I felt the Holy Spirit was saying that we need to move from a, an American mindset on what family looks like to a biblical mindset of what the body of Christ is. And the body of Christ is a family. And we, as, we have this American mindset of my family, your family. But we have to have this mindset of this is our family and how we treat one another as family. And the scripture I had with that was John thirteen thirty five, And it says, Jesus said to his disciples, I give you a new command. Love one another as I've loved you. And he says, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples. We would be known by the world for the love that we carry for one another. And I feel this transition from our individual home to this collective body of Christ caring for one another. And then uh, I didn't read all the instructions until like last week. <laughs> Just being honest. And uh, I, I got, how was that? I was like, the instructions actually say specific to the Midwest. And so right when I got the Midwest part of it, I felt the Lord speak right away that the Midwest is going to be central for this storing 
for the food. So there, as, as the body of Christ, as this, emer- this, this uh, um, intensity of persecution quickens, and you can read in Psalms, Psalms 2 or, Malachi, or Micah 7 in regards to that coming crisis, but that there is going to be the, the, the Midwest is going to have a central part in not only providing food and but also a place for habitation that this home, this, the, the Midwest region is going to have this covering over the rest of the country that we are prophetically declared to do as the body of Christ. So I felt though the Lord said this, that one, before we can, before we can be that place of refuge, that we first have to learn how to love one another here. Because if we can't love one another here as the body, how are we going to love those around that are not here that are going to come and that need that, um, need those supplies, need that refuge, need that place, um, away from persecution. Okay, so the Lord showed me that 2019 was going to be the year of the both and. So today is 111, and that's a verse of mine, just dear to my heart. So in Malachi 111, verse for the year, from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. So a couple things, both transition and rest. Transition will continue. Many have been in transition for the last year or more, perhaps even feeling somewhat weary from it. You may even be wondering when your season of rest begins. I believe from this time forward, we will remain in a constant state of transition as well as a constant state of rest. There will still be pains and joy in the transition, But delivery of God's promises will require we enter into true active rest with the Father. We have to push through the labor while at the same time allow him to do the heavy lifting. If you're taking notes, Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, 1 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9. Both preparation and acceleration. Transition oftentimes speaks of preparation and can even suggest a standing still or a staying in one place. While this can be true, the kingdom is accelerating at such a rapid rate, we will begin to experience more and more the thrust forward into our callings and assignments. We're being shot like arrows with precision toward the targets God has placed in every sphere. But we must run the race fixing our eyes on Jesus, for he alone is the author and finisher of our stories. We must resist the temptation to take the reins. He alone holds us in his quiver. He alone draws back the bow. As we draw near and listen, he will be faithful to prepare us by his spirit. Proverbs 16, verses 2, 3, 7, and 9. Both suffering and glory. It is not hard to see and sense, and as everybody's been saying here, that every realm on every level is shaking. God's created order is groaning and suffering to some degree. Although the darkness increase, God's glory will be seen like never before. Signs, wonders, salvations will increase exponentially in our families, spheres of influence. A boldness is coming on the body that has not been seen in recent seasons. For lack of a term, another Jesus people movement is is on the horizon. Our lights will shine bright for Jesus. Step into the glory. 
Isaiah 61 and 2, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and a deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And also Romans 8, 16 through 23. Okay, so both vibrant, colorful, and simple, organic gospel. The arts of every kind, painting, drawing, poetry, writing, sculpting, basket weaving, textiles, lost and forgotten art forms, music, graphic arts, anime, movies, television, architecture, sound and visual technological arts, whatever can be dreamed and crafted, these will all be aligned and positioned by the Holy Spirit to present the true, simple, organic gospel. Creatives will begin to step out of the shadows of worship services and safety. Their spirit-filled works will prophesy the love of the Father over those who are bound. Healing and deliverance will give way to repentance and salvation. Exodus 31, 3 through 11. We will see an increase of God purifying the sound waves. He will no longer tolerate watered-down, worldly, prosperity, good works, or hyper-grace gospels to be preached. Isaiah 6, 5 through 7. Joel 2. Hosea 4, 6a, and 6, Hosea 6, 1 through 3, 1 Corinthians 1, 30. Both separation and unity. Consecrate yourself. Okay, so in the resetting of the broken bones, this is the word that I referenced of how he's going to break and reset the bones. This is how it works. You consecrate yourself. This is the key in this season. If you haven't already begun this process, now is the time. And I want to pause here and speak into people talking about the process. I really feel strongly that the Lord is saying, do not resist my process. <clears throat> because now is the time. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. We in the body around here have been talking for a long time that we, the church, don't look much different from, from the world. God's calling with a loud voice. The, lo the lion of the tribe of Judah is roaring from Zion to do what's been long overdue, to change ourselves from the inside out. He will not do our part. We must set ourselves apart from worldly mindsets and ways so that we'll be equipped to offer the answers the world is looking for. First Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. As we consecrate and set ourselves apart unto the Lord, it will cause our identity in him to be realized, our eyes to see beyond ourselves, and a hunger for unity in the body. There is no time for dysfunction in the family of God. Simply put, if we want the commanded blessing of the Lord, the prodigals to come home, and I do believe this is a year for that to really begin to happen, and to receive the inheritance of Jesus' sacrifice, well, it's God's design. Therefore, we must be intentional about family reconciliation, both in our natural and our spiritual families. Scriptures, Psalm 133, 1 through 3, John chapter 17, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, so both wholeheartedness and wholeheartedness. There is no contrast to being wholehearted. It stands alone. You either are or you are not. There is no in-between. There is no other, no other option. God is a lover looking for wholehearted lovers. He's desiring his bride to sign her name to the marriage covenant in permanent ink.
proudly wear her wedding ring for all to see. Formal attire is the dress code. Come boldly and sit at the head of the wedding supper of the lamb. Compromise and half-heartedness has no place in the bridal chamber. Leave compromise at the door and surrender to intimacy. That's surrendering to the process. Revelation 19, 7 through 9. Psalm 42, 1 and 7. Song of Solomon 2, 4, 4, 9, and 8, 6, and 7. I felt like God is calling us into a season of preparation and equipping. Uh, I feel the weightiness of this and the, of our focus. We must realign our focus for a time of preparation and waiting. Many distractions can arise. We must realign our focus on Jesus. In the weightiness of the scripture that, where Jesus speaks, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. <clears throat> this is the first and greatest command. And the second is just like it. You shall love the Lord. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. He is drawing us into a greater unity as a body of believers in this next season, drawing us to be a close, devoted family that will be known as followers of Christ by how we love one another. He highlighted this scripture as Acts 2, 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and the prayer. And I feel like he's calling us into a greater devotion. And as I, I prayed into this, I asked, are we not doing this? And he says, there's more. He said, there's much more. Cry out to me. He said, remember who, who pours the love out? Who loved you first? And he said, seek me for greater love. Seek me, know me more, and then love those around you. I want to uh, piggyback on, on some of what I think uh, Jeff said this morning, uh, what uh, Kevin just hi highlighted as well. Um, the Lord's speaking to us in this season about the Samuel generation. Samuel was born into a place where there was a generation lost. There was a priesthood that was self-serving. The church was in shambles. The leadership was dim in their, in their sight. Those who had passion in the church were looked down on and even corrected for their, for their, their prayer with passion. That was the atmosphere that this young boy, a miraculous boy, a generation that did not fit his generation. He was outside of that generation. And we're, we're looking at a generation that's coming up that does not fit the pattern of our generation. They don't look like us because they don't need to look like us. They're a little more passionate than we are. They're, they're more uh, self-governing. They're, they're a little more intense in their pre presentation because they have to be because of where they were born. God is raising up in the church in this season a Samuel generation that he's going to introduce to his voice. We saw it this morning that Elizabeth, anybody know who Elizabeth was in the Bible? She carried the next generation prophet, the one who would, who would say, this is the one coming. The earliest prophecy that anybody ever experienced in the scriptures was the foot of a child kicking, saying, I hear him. Inside the womb. And the mother, the womb, the church, 
gave a voice to the one not yet having a voice. Did not ignore the kick. The church is being kicked and we're resisting it. Because Christ is trying to come back to his church and prepare a generation that will be, will be fearless and responsive to the voice of the Spirit so that Christ can be ushered in on the second coming the same way he was on the first coming with very young prophetic people. If we don't believe that children will prophesy, we won't understand abortion. It's all connected to, to every time God was raising up something and the enemy looked in and saw that something was happening, he said, I have to take out the generation. That's why there was the voice of crying and in, 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 in the, the, the voice of the lost children and the mothers crying for him. And the generation that we are of must cry for the next generation and must see them in the way that the Holy Spirit sees them as a coming generation. And we must have Hannah's heart. We must have the heart of Ramah crying for her children. We must cry out in this season that God would raise up a prophetic generation and and raise them up young so that they don't have a chance to become like us. (laughs) Eli got it. He knew he had lost a generation. And when he saw the, the spirit fall on a young one who had been under the altar, by the way, his, his spiritual development was not in a school of ministry. His, spirit, his spiritual development was under the altar, at the place of the fire, at the place of the light, at the place of, of lying before the Lord in the middle of the night. He was taught that that was okay, even though it was not lawful. It was not lawful for a little child to be in there. He was not a priest. But Eli, Eli taught him as one because he had the spirit of a priest that, and, and, and Eli had, had been wounded by the loss of the generation of his sons. And a church that will not feel the loss of the generation of the sons will not make a place for the next generation of sons. And so when the, when the Spirit of God began to come on, on young Samuel because he'd laid in the altar and would not leave the place, he'd found a place. And the oil of intimacy is the fire of God. And those who want to, want to be effective in this season to go forward in the kingdom must have the oil of intimacy on their hearts. A generation being raised up must know the fire of purification. Eli's sons did, was, were never introduced to the fire that said, others may, but you cannot. And Eli got it. And he mentored and raised up this young one and said, whatever God says, you tell me. You don't have the position yet to to declare the way that I can declare. But if you'll tell me what he's saying, I'll I'll take it and go with it. And what what we have to do in this generation is is exactly, Chris, what you did this morning with Elizabeth. You said, I'm not going to let you go. I, I felt the kick. And I have to give you a voice. If you can't take the microphones, whisper to my ear and I'll say it for you. But but you have to have your voice. And the earlier, the better. (sighs) Uh, Well, um, the womb of the church is carrying a developing generation. God said, I will not come until until there's a spirit of fatherhood. And the spirit of fatherhood, there have to be sons and daughters to be fathered. The church is, is... in the, it is with the womb at this point. 
And the question is whether we will allow what has happened in the nation to happen in the church. Will we abort that which God is trying to do? Because it's inconvenient. Because we're not ready to be, dis, uh, to, to be, to be taken out of our comfort zones. <clears throat> I've been a little hard on my generation, so let me, let me just jump to, a, to another piece of this. Is, is in uh, Acts chapter 2. In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men are all done. They're just going to have to sit down and be quiet. You don't have any more joy, any more part. No, the scripture says old men are going to dream dreams. They're going to dream something bigger than they've ever built themselves. They're going, to, they're going to continue to dream in this season. They're going to hold a point on the horizon and say, I don't care how you do it, but that's where we're going. And they will guide a generation to a place of meaningful goals. If we'll build a relationship. If we'll gather them under our arms and not push them away because we don't like the lights off or because we don't like the music or whatever. I don't care how they do it. I just want to go there. And take me to the altar first. And purify my heart now. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will have the strength to carry the vision. They'll they'll have the strength to work it out. But the children are going to be the ones that tell us the next. You want to have a planning meeting for your church and you don't include a 12-year-old? You've failed entirely. Because they will tell us what it will take to reach their generation. We missed it a generation ago because we thought that the pastors and the the 30s and 40s and 50 guys were supposed to set the vision for the church. It's the little ones that will tell us the prophecy that will take us to the next place and create an atmosphere and environment that will shift the nations. They must be included. There must be a place. Take them to the altar and mentor them well. Hallelujah. Um, I remember some time ago the Lord speaking to me and, and talking to me about the um, just the barren womb of Hannah and the raising up of Samuel um, out of her desperation. And, um, and he told me the, Sa- the Samuels are going to arise and they're going to anoint the Davids. And he's been speaking to me about not only new, just new, the Davids and, and um, new worship and a new breed of leaders that are coming. And um, when, uh, when Samuel went, he, even, even the prophet, that's a word did not fall to the ground. Even he did not discern or recognize or have any capacity to comprehend that it wasn't the oldest brother, the next, the next. Um, he, but, but thankfully, he was listening to the Spirit of the Lord and went down the line and, and, and bypassed all the other brothers. And the one that wasn't even brought in was obscure and out in the field. But he was the true shepherd. He was the one watching over the sheep. He was the one laying at the sheep gate, um, putting his life on the line between the wolves and and the sheep and um and so um he you know Samuel called for him and he was brought forth and um 
The Lord was just reminding me of that word. He was reminding me that David could not wear Saul's armor. It, it was the, the battle was going to be different. The fight was going to be different. And the, the giants that the, the army, the, the, the rest were fearful of. Um, he was able by faith because of the place of intimacy, the oil of intimacy that had been developed in the, in the secret place. He was able to see with eyes of faith. He was able to come at it from the mountain of the Lord and, and take that out and cut the head off of that. And the Lord's spoke been speaking to me this year about just a new, um, a new, a new level of worship that we're, that we're going to. And, um, and just that there's, there's going to be anointing to, to usher in the presence of the Lord. And, um, he, 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 I, uh, um, in our prayer room one day, not too long ago, I had a vision of, um, of, uh, and I, it's, it's like I was taken back in time. I, I haven't had one like this before, but I was, I was watching. It's like I was there present and watching David and I was so captivated because I could see his face. I could see what his face looked like as he's bringing that ark into the city. And I could see uh, how there was, no, there was no one before him except the Lord, the face of the Lord. I could see the incredible joy on his face. And I could see him spinning and twirling and whirling. And he did not care who saw. And I, I saw the kingly robes just fall off of him to reveal what was underneath. What was underneath was the linen ephod. That that priestly garment was the undergarment underneath the kingly robe. And I, I just, he knew what he was doing. He, he recognized fully what was happening. It's, and it's what he yearned for and what he'd longed for. Um, and, and what he was made for, what he was created for. And, and so I'm watching all this just mesmerized and, um, and then, and then the scene turned to a, a stone castle, uh, a particular portion of it and a little rectangular window. And out of it was, was Micah, Michael. Um, Michael was looking out of it and I could see her face. It was different than when I've read that passage many times. She despised it. She hated what was going on. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, I'm, I'm, the church is coming to this new level of worship. And, um, and that, um, for, for those who despise it, there's, there, there's going to be a barrenness. That, that comes to that the portion of the body of Christ that despises that. And, and I even saw people who had to leave that didn't necessarily want to leave. And they weren't, they didn't leave as they'd left in the past. They didn't leave with bitterness and anger and wounds and hurt and things that were going to have to get over, you know, for the next 10, 15, 20 years. But, but they left weeping and they left it be out of obedience with the belief that if, the, if they would go now, the Lord was saying to go and, and releasing them. And he was um, saying um, it, it, it would still be this opportunity. They didn't leave um, uh, bitter, but they left still with the hope in their heart and the belief and just interceding that as they would go, that was still going to draw more out. That as people saw what happened when they left and they went out of obedience and they went into that higher level of worship, that it was calling out more and more. It was, it was calling more and more and wooing more and more to come out into this new level of worship where they weren't ready to go yet. Um, I feel like the Lord keeps saying, I keep hearing the words, the hour has come, the hour has come, the hour has come. 
the hour has come. Glorify. And Jesus saying, Father, glorify thy son, that, that my son might glorify you. And um, I, I, um, I've, I've seen the, just a, a, like a holy plumb line. And, and I know it's Zechariah 4. And I, I, I believe it's being dropped in this city. And I feel a sense of the Lord's, that, that there, there's such rejoicing. The, the, seven, for the Spirit of God is rejoicing to see this plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. And I, I believe that, that this region, this area, that there's a divine plumb line that's being dropped in this region. And I believe there's a reason why there was a prophetic word over over us when we went to Washington, D.C., and he, he, we kept wanting to grab a pen and write it down. And he said, no, you're not going to have to. And Pastor Chris kept saying, yes, I am. I won't remember it. He said, no, you're not going to have to. It was holy, holy, holy. And it did start from the west to the east, which I was blessed by. I, instead of everything coming out of Omaha, happening in Omaha. But at the same time, at the same time, it, it, he keeps saying that was significant that we start. It's holy, holy. It's, ho it's the holy of holies. It's the holy of holies here. That, that there's, there's going to be a new move of holiness in this region. And it's not going to be like anything that's ever be, been seen before. It's not going to be like the perverted um, moves of holiness in the past. Um, it's it's, it's going to be... Um, um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be intense. It's going to be the work of the Spirit. It's not going to be my might or power. It's going to be by the Spirit. But, but we, we've been crying out. The Lord asked us to cry out um, it, for a pure move of his Spirit. It's, we were watching some other um, revivals going on. And though God was moving and though God was touching and present in the revivals, there were things that were also off and and it grieved our hearts and the lord said ask me for a pure move of my spirit and so we've been sowing into that for a pure move of his spirit and i've seen a canopy of glory over our city and i've seen a tent pole and it, and that was um that was reiterated when we were in Hastings, Nebraska, I saw this, I mean, we, Pastor Chris saw a tent pole going up and it's like, as that pole was raised, the whole tent began to spread out, you know, over a larger and larger distance. And, and I felt like the Lord said, um, and I, and I even share this with Jeff Kaiser, cause I felt that we were talking about obedience. I felt like with every act of obedience, there's a raising up of this tent pole because the Lord spoke to me and he said, when Jody, when even one of my people is obedient, even in the smallest of ways, it elevates the entire body. And so I feel that this, there's going to, there's a, um, there's an obedience, um, he's, that he's calling us to. And, um, there's a heartbeat and a pumping of blood to the nation. It's the, it's when, when parts of the body, the extremities that don't receive the blood or if a portion of extremity is broken, it's healed by the blood flow that goes to that area. And so I believe that, you know, even when you're graced with much, I mean, he who much is given, much is required. And so we've been given so much and yet we have 
God always turns it back around. The blessing we get ends up to be to bless. And so I believe that there's, there's a blessing that's coming on the nation. Um, I believe that this is a city of refuge. I believe people are going to come here. I believe it's going to be a place like the mountain of the Lord, like in Micah 4, that people are going to come here to be taught of the Lord. They're going to come here, um, you know, to learn of him, to sit with his people and to sit at his feet and be taught of him. I believe the law is going to go out forth out of Zion. Um, I believe this is going to be an apostolic epicenter. I believe it's going to be a sending center. And um, I, I've seen us sending forth apostolic teams, um, sometimes even just to some of the small little rural villages and hamlets and everything. But I've seen us, and, and, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, but I've seen us sending apostolic teams from out of here and others coming for um, for the training, I, I see us taking that lowest place and, and washing the feet of the church. And I'm, I'm just asking, Lord, what does that look like? How it's like, again, well, we, because we've been given much, you know, I, I, I believe the Lord is going to show us how we can wash the feet of the body of Christ in our city and be an example to, to, to others, an example to our nation of how we can, how we can be one how we can be one. And um, I believe also that God is establishing a highway of holiness. And I believe that he wants to develop this highway of holiness for his supply and his provision in these end times. And I believe that, um, um, that he wants to build the infrastructure for that highway of holiness. And I've asked about that. And I feel like he's saying there's going to be more of these times where we're meeting together, where we're praying together and we're, we're praying, you know, we're seated before him and we're asking Lord, what do what, what is, what, what are the blueprints for that? What do you want to do to build the infrastructure, you know, for this highway of holiness and then, and back to the new breed of, um, of leaders. I feel like, um, the, the Lord is, was, uh, just speaking to me not long ago about uh, Moses and how Moses, you know, it said he he died at 120 years old and Joshua was raised up. Joshua had lingered in the tent. Joshua had remained in the, in the presence of the Lord. 120 signifies moving from the natural to the supernatural. And I believe that that's the day we're in right now. Joshua was a, was a leader who gave the command, who released the body, who said it's, you know, went through the whole camp and said, follow the ark. When don't follow man, follow the ark. I'm releasing you. When you see the ark high and lifted, it up you go after it and um so there was a a true crossing over and it says we inherit the kingdom through the promises that promised land they were crossing over we inherit the kingdom through the promises of god and they took that they took it by force they advanced the kingdom by force and so i believe there's a whole new breed of leadership that god is raising up and they're going to be people of his presence they're going to release the body to follow his presence they're going to be new gifts of administration we see an administration as bean counting or something, you know, in the church, but it's not that it's, it's going to be the administration, a gift to administrate spiritual things. Um, I, I believe that, um, again, I just knew wine, new wine has been on my heart all year long. And I, I believe that God, um, it, those, those, those six pots, you know, that, that ran out of wine, I believe God was, God's been saying it, it's gone. It's gone. Forget the former things. It's, it's done. 
and um, and I believe Mary was is a picture of the church going and saying, you've, you've got to do something. It was the third day, and I believe the Lord that leapt out at me, and the Lord was speaking to me and saying, this this that I told that I did then and that I told, showed them this is now this is for you this is a this was a prophetic parable for your day that's it wasn't my time it wasn't the time yet but yet but now is the time and this is for your day and he he's he's pouring um out new wine um, and, and that's why it's taken a lot longer, why we've been laboring and laboring and laboring. It was, he doesn't want the, the old wineskins to be burst, he, to burst and to lo- lose the wine. That's not okay anymore with him. He wants, he wants the wineskins pr- prepared and he wants to pour in his new wine. Um, and, um, and there's going to be joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's going to be so, such joy and he will be our joy. He, it won't be our, anything to do with our circumstances or even our provision or anything. He will be our joy. And, um, um, I also believe that, um, um, Hebrews 12, the shakings, we, we the, the, the shakings, are coming that the, 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 yet once again, and it's I will shake earth and I will shake heaven. I believe that the the shakings of earth and the shaking of heaven are coming. But I and and it is going to be it's it's going to be mind blowing. I believe, but it he he does want to he he's helping us. He's helping us. He's having mercy on us. He wants us to be able to pull out of and detach from the things that we put our trust in and our hope in. And he, and he wants us to be establish, actively engage and establish by faith uh, the, um, our new place of provision, which is him. That he's, he's going to be our source for everything, everything that we need. And in him, there's no lack. So he, he will be our Jehovah Jireh. He will be our provider, whatever we need. And in, uh, we need to get that deeply, deeply rooted in us, that, that the healthcare system, we can't be the ones freaking out when, when things implode with healthcare or whatever. He is our healthcare. He, he is our provision. And he wants us to begin to renew our minds and think like this now. And I believe even repent, repent this, this, it's, it, there's an, I believe the word and, and, um, Jeff, I even last night repent. I, I believe there's a word coming forth from you and it's going to be repent again. But people always heard that like with a lot of fear, but it's going to, it's going to carry so much power and so much weight, um, it, it, that it's going to cut to the heart and it's going to be change, change right now, how you're thinking, change, how you're thinking, repent of how you have, um, seen these things and, and um, live this way in the past, and come into the kingdom now. Come into the kingdom now, and um, then, and then just to, um, um, yes. And then um, I think, oh, just at the church again, the same things about the mother and the father, the church, and 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 the and the church family. And I, I felt like the Lord lately has been saying, you know, we're going to be those who, when one is honored. All are honored when one suffers, everyone suffered. And we're just, we're going to be picking one another up. We're going to be getting, we're going to be seeing, you know, one another through. And so he's going to um, do, an, do an incredible thing in his church. And the last thing, just a one-liner. I do believe the Lord was speaking to this group, to this city and this group. And he's saying, do not tolerate Jezebel. 
And I feel like it was a very, very strong word that because of the work of holiness here, because of the things he's doing, we are not to tolerate Jezebel, that our nation is in the state it's in because the church has tolerated Jezebel for so long. We are not to tolerate Jezebel. Amen. Amen. Did you guys, did you guys have words you wanted to share? Burton? Come on, come on. Okay, a little bit tired, but we'll see what we can do on this. I affect somewhat how you can move in the gifts, which means if we can get our rest or ask for supernatural rest. Just real quick, prophetically, this is my take on it. The prophets have always been given to the church to be his eyes and his ears. Sometimes too much, but it's sometimes upset people. But the prophets have been given so that we would, hey, how are you? It's good to see you. <clears throat> Long, old acquaintance. I feel like the last, for the last 20 years, the, the words of prophecy have been very scarce. <clears throat> weren't before that charismatic movement. It was flowing like rivers. And there's a point where it dried up, and it's like the prophets got some sad, some got mad. Some just went away, and many of them, like us, took a lot of well rides to places of our next assignments. Just because it's like, God, what's going on here? <clears throat> the word of God is becoming plentiful again. It's starting to flow like a river. And it's different this time in the sense of this. It's just not the old ones, it's the new ones. And so I want to tell you just kind of what my take is on what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing for the church in general. It's kind of a th- just to the day I want to say, I've, I did have a computer that had two-day mana on it, but it's like, oh, well, I won't read it. And you can ring the cowbell if it goes over four minutes, which probably will. Three areas I just want to speak to, preachers, prophets, and the younger generation. Those are three places where I believe the Lord is really, really moving right now. And in this sense, if you are a pastor, which all of our friends are and brothers in the faith are, if you're a pastor, if you're a teacher, if you've been long in the faith, you better take stock of where you are. Knowing the word, being a, a, a hearer but a doer only is done. And God's can it's like we used to give us some grace. He's moving too quickly, and what he wants to accomplish is, is too important. And it's not that he doesn't love us. He just, he's just getting us on the move. It's like you know, the word to my friends and me is straighten up and walk right. Too long that we've walked as pastors, and that's one of the things that is always there. It's like if you have the devo- if you're a pastor, teacher, and I or older in the faith, if you've got the devoted things in your tent, you better get them out. Respect and recognition being to him and him alone that he's worthy of the reward of his suffering. When we do what we do, like even what happened up here, which still amazes me, that's not our stuff. We may be the vehicle, and we, can, and we may be able to put the atmosphere together for him to move, but it's his movement, and it's his glory, and it's his name, and it's his power. And if you got transformed here this weekend, Jeff may have been the helper in it, but it was Jesus that transformed you because he came through his servant. So if you're a pastor today, all I'm telling you is you better step back and start relooking everything. That knowing... And hearing and doing are whole different things. And I felt what the Father's saying is you've been long enough. You should be in the deep things of spirit. Your people should be in the deep things of spirit. And you're not because you're looking for recognition and the fear of man. If you are a pastor who fears your congregation more than you fear God, 
you better take stock because it's not going to last long. And the Lord's saying not, you're not going to prolong this out. Is he merciful? Absolutely. But he's also a God of just, justice and just, that he will keep us accountable for what he knows we should be accountable for. If you're a pastor in the fear of man and you've allowed the congregation to build the golden calf right in the, in the reality of seeing the very presence of God, you better take care of it. You get before your knees. If God called you, he's given you the grace in Christ Jesus to do all things in life in Christ, in, in Christ Jesus. So to pastors, the word of the prophets to you is straighten up. Get straight and take stock and start moving. If you have meetings where the power of God is not coming, you better step back and say why. Because it's his promise that he said he would be with us even to the end. If you're a pastor and you're not moving in power, that's not his fault. It's our fault. And it's like we need to straighten up and find out what it is. If you can't find it on your own, find somebody who can help you that's a pastor. It's like too long the leaders have allowed the sheep to be hurt and wounded and lost for our own recognition and for our own self-ambition as pastors and as leaders, even in missions. And the Lord's saying, no more to you. Just like a father selling a child that's grown up, it's like you're, not, you're beyond this now. And so I just want to tell you, take heed. Second is to the prophets. The prophets are starting to stand up again. They're starting to speak words that are words. One of the things, I don't think I've heard this for a long time. The real purpose of prophecy to say this is what Jesus sees, this is what Jesus is doing. And by the way, he's loving and he's kind, but he's firm. There's times when he's firm. Just straight out, you better straighten up or you're going to get your butt whipped. And you know what? He's good at doing it in love and he's good at taking us down the road. But it's like too long we've been an immature. So the bottom line is if you have done those things, take stock of it, stop doing it. Uh, with the prophetic, the words are starting to come to the old people and the words are starting to come to newer, the, the newer generation. But what I was going to say is I have very seldom heard this. That usually the prophetic, and I'll just ask you, what is the purpose of the prophetic? If you see it, it's going to be what's its clothing. I'll give you the one he talked about, edification, consolation, and what's the third one, which you never hear? It's exhortation. They're going to correct you. They're going to say, this is the word of God, this is what he's saying, and you're offline. And so if you have people who are prophetic friends, it's like they're probably going to make you mad. Faith for the wounds of a friend. It's going to happen because they're seeing it. And it's the other thing is, and this is just because we're saying it's the perfect doesn't mean we're obeying it either. We're just speaking. And so as prophets, you also need to make sure you're pure and you're righteous. And it's like I'll just say some of the things our city. Disunity, unbelievable among my brethren. We divorced in front of the entire city, all my family, all my brothers. And I'll just tell you what the Lord told me. I said there was a reason for it. The Lord said, there, well, how much reason? He said there was reason. We all had our, our reasons. We all sat around the table and gave them once. Not that it helped anything, but we gave them pretty firmly. It's like because we all thought we were right. And in some ways, we are all, we're all right, which is how things can work. You can be, but the problem was, and this is what the Lord told me, it's like you may be right, but you are not righteous. It's like, so what's the difference here? The difference is one is being right and the other is being godly. If you're godly, you're not going to be in disunity and you're not going to be disloyal and you're not going to be slamming your brother because you're going to say only on earth what's in heaven and that stuff does not exist in heaven. So if you're a believer, especially if you're a pastor 
and you say, okay, we just have reason for doing that, you better go to the Father and say, you know what? We're going to do on earth what you're not doing in heaven. I hope you bless it. Good luck on that. And he's going to tell you the same thing he told me. All the commandments summed up in one thing when he left. All the things he could have told his disciples. He told them, by this you will know that my, you are my disciples by your love for each other. Love one another. That was his final sum it up command. Love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. Love is our hallmark. If we're not loving, we're in trouble. And I'll just, this is my take. We're not loving in this city, in the church. We're not loving to new believers. We're not lo- uh, loving to believers who are weak. We're not to believers who don't believe like us or who are still caught in sin. And it's a requirement on your part and my part to love them. Not with our own, like, okay, I'll accept it when you dress yourself up and behave. It's like we do it because they belong. They belong to him, and so do we. We need to straighten that out. As the prophetic, especially, clean it up, start listening, and start speaking it. And if it's a hard word, speak it because God is asking you to do his, his favor. And it's not for other people's injury. It's for the people's good. And so people are prophetic, Lord. I'm asking that here today. Lord, straighten their eyes so they can see where we need to be going. Third thing, and it's just real overviews. There is a generation coming up that has been raised under the cover of darkness. I'll just tell you, this is my take, and it's how I say it, but I think it's from the Lord. The church is a very slow-moving target for the enemy. My whole ministry career has not been in the base camp. I'm a forward operating being, FOB guy. It's like our people know that it's like, okay, you just got your leg blown off. We fix it, and then we remind them, you still got one good one, so let's get moving. It's like that's not a base camp mentality, but I'm not a pastor. I'm a to poke into darkness where no one has gone, so to speak, inner cities. And the bottom line is we need to be loving. We need to be kind. And even in those situations, we need to be understanding of both, that we have a need for both in the church, the front edge and the back edge. forgot where I was going with that. Um, a generation being raised up. We have a generation of forward people who know that God is, and this is my take on it, when God makes the next move, he's going to leave the devil in the dust because they're not going to be able to know where to put the next trap. It's going to be fast-hitting and deep-affecting. deep, deep uh, affecting. And so you see people in parks. They may get saved. The next thing, it may be in a church across town being, sa- being raised up in the faith, and then they may be somewhere else in ministry. God's going to do it very quickly and very deeply. And it's not going to be by the same methods. That's the other thing, just real quick. The old methods, the old, the old weapons are not sufficient for today's battle. Yeah, it's like, that's not fair. It's like, let's just get over it. It took me 20 years to learn this. That it's going to take another, hopefully, 12 months to get it rearranged because God's doing it. For the old generation, we have a whole group of millennials. Well, I guess it's millennials. They tell me that. I have no idea what a millennial is, truthfully. Truthfully. I just know they're young. But the young people that are coming through our groups have seen miracles, cast out demons, seen cancer healed. To them, the word of God is the word of God. They really were not raised in the church, most of them. Most of them are new believers, have come in, or they've been raised in the wilderness outside the wild as wildlings. And they've just come in and said, we believe God. My youngest daughter was one of those. She came in one day and she said, look, here's the deal. She's a a, uh, coronary nurse now. This is probably five years ago. She said, here's the deal. All my friends, they had people who had been homosexual, everything that you can imagine, who are new converts because of her sitting in our home, calling us mom and dad, saying, what do we do when it comes to, to following God? 
So she's sitting there. She cast out the demon out of the guy who had been in her face before. She came and she said, look, I want to tell you, mom, something. She said, we believe everything that you have found at our life song, everything. We've watched it. We've seen it. We've been in ministry with you. She said, but you're going to have to promise me one thing. It's like, uh-oh, here's the whoop line. She said, will you promise me that in the next year, you'll no longer introduce us to, you will no longer tell us about him and the witness stories. I was a witness of these things. I witness count. You'll no longer just tell them about him. Will you introduce us to him? Transform my ministry with him. I mean, it's like that seems pretty, it transformed our ministry. Because all of a sudden, the Lord started saying, I can do anything at any time with anybody. She came home, and she quoted a verse to me, and she said, where's it found? And I had to go look at it. I actually Googled it, my concordance. I Googled it, and went back and said, here's the thing. Why are you asking me the reference on this? She said, because the Holy Spirit gave me that word for word in my prayer journal. I know it's a verse, but I don't know where in the Bible it is. He told her the verse, and she had never read it. All of a sudden, I'm going in my room at night, and she's coming every night saying, can I practice tongues? Like, I'm like, no. She'd come in and just like, just one word. She would dog me until I finally would do it. And all of a sudden, my wife is praying in tongues, then several prayer language to a place where we sit in a place at Applebee's for a birthday. They look at my wife and say, would you say the blessing? She said, can I say it in any language, English or anything? And she prayed in tongues in Applebee's, waiting for interpretation because she believed that something of God was going to take place. So I'm just going to give you one picture because pictures stay with me more than anything else. We were in a ministry group where my daughter is, is some, a lot of them are gifted like me, but she's almost identical and beyond that some things are scary. And it's like just raw giftings. And she'll always question, it's like, did you hear the spirit on that? You moved on that? What happened here? Why did the power go out of the room? She's asking me questions I've never answered to anybody in my life. It's like, okay, but here's, she can't, uh, we're standing in a ministry group and um, she made some corrections like i usually get her eyes am i going too long i'll put i looked at her as she said here's a, and the lord gave me a picture of two jets flying side by side i was in a cockpit she was in it was in a high performance fighter i loved to fly i was completely on automatic we were looking for a search and destroy on an enemy mission flying side by side and all of a sudden my daughter flies up by me in this picture the lord gave me i look across she's got her canopy back her her uh her uh, shield off, and she's got her top with just the belt, and she's leaning forward, and she pulls up on my wing, and I saw her do a hand signal that said, on me, roll out, roll left, and it's like, huh? Oh, sorry. Talk louder. We rolled out. I just pulled up on her, and she rolled out. I rolled out on her, and it's like, the longer I went, the closer I could see. She had seen the enemy from a faraway position with her eyes, no longer trusting the instruments. When we came home that night, I felt like the Lord said, look, there's a whole generation who can see what you can't see. You're trying to do it by all the complexity of all the things you've learned. They have an innate understanding of, I see it because God's given it to me. And they're all pulling up on your wings and my wing and saying, come on me, roll out on me. I see where we're supposed to go. So I just want to encourage you, if you're one of that young generation, God bless you, empower you, and I hope you go beyond us very, very quickly. Thank you. Thank you for everybody that shared. Jeff and I are going to forego ours just because we want to wind this thing up. Um, and I, I just, we had some common themes that I, I kept hearing over and over again. And I'm going to read some of these common themes. 
shaking. We heard shaking like two or three times, shaking and warnings, restoring. We heard the word restoring over and over again, repentance, um, breaking bones and resetting. Surrender was another word we heard multiple times. Um, how many times did you hear love? Love. I feel like the Lord is really, really, if there's a word that he wants to relate today is We've really got to love our neighbors as ourselves. We've got to display the love of God. I think that's truly something that we're missing. Um, there's a positioning going on. There, um, there's a real positioning going on that he wants to position people. Um, we heard it a number of times that we're in a place of transition. We're a place of change. We're in a place of transition. We're in a place of preparation and acceleration. Um, we're in a place of being prepared by the Holy Spirit. Arts and creativity, we heard a number of times. Um, don't resist my process. We heard about process several times and not resisting his process. Greater unity. Samuel generation, we heard about a number of times. Intimacy with the Lord, how important intimacy is going to be in this time that's coming. Again, Samuel, we heard about Samuel a number of times. Um the consecration and becoming holy. We're going to be taught by the, by the Lord and, and, um, in this season, in this hour, uh, let's see new wine. We heard a couple of times. My word was the, not my word. The word the Lord gave me was about new wine as well. So that was, that's really something I believe the Lord really wants to pour out right now. Um, and just really takes positioning for that again, shaking, don't tolerate Jezebel. And then the words about pastors and prophets, so much about our young people, so much about this next generation. And I just want to take some time now for the next few minutes. And if I could, Jeff, if I could have you, I'm going to put you right on the spot. But um, if we could just begin to lead in prayer for some of these, I feel like um, over our city, over our state, our region here, Council Bluffs, all the way out to Grand Island, I feel like I feel like we'd really be remiss if we didn't really take these words. Every time you hear prophetic words, there needs to be a response to them, right? And I feel like our response needs to be prayer. Is that good? Can we stand? Is everybody tired of sitting anyway? Anyway, let's stand. And Jeff, I'm going to have you lead us off here. Jesus. If you want to uh, hold the hand of the person near you and, um, and moving for unity, Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus the Christ, Lord, forgive us for the times that we've taken the devoted things and displayed them in our own tent. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have uh, wanted the respect and recognition and robbing you of glory. We repent as leaders in the name of Jesus. Ask that you would forgive us and you would have mercy. Lord, the only thing that we have is because you alone have done it. So, Father, we ask for your forgiveness, Lord. We're asking, Lord, for the fear of the Lord to fall upon every leader, upon every prophet, upon every apostle, and evangelist, and pastor, and teacher, servant of God. Lord, knowing that the day is coming when we will give an account to you. Lord, their movement upon young people in these days. Lord, they're looking for something substantial. And Lord, your call to the church has not changed in 2,000 years. So Father, may we be about your Father's business, about your business, Lord. 
Father, we pray for these things, Lord. What we heard today were exhortations, things that were in the hearts of your people, Lord, to be prayed into, that they would come forth, Lord, and that we would see a nation changed. Lord, we can't go about business as usual. Lord, we're asking for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. And Father, we've got to lean in. And Father, these, these truths that you've given us, we have more truth than most people around the world will ever have in this, in this entire life. And so, Father, it's not that we need more teaching, Father. We have got to have movements and encounters of your presence. And, Lord, we need to see lives transformed because they've met with you. So, Lord, would you move upon your sons and daughters today in the name of Jesus? Lord, we can't make unity happen, but it happens if we really love one another. And, Father, that we would put aside our differences and casting aside the sin which so easily ensnares us. If we truly love one another, Lord, we'll lay down our lives Father, even to those that we're not close with. And as the brother said earlier, Father, they'll know us by our love. And Lord, we can't fake that. And we're asking, Lord, this is a fruit of the Spirit. And Lord, I'm asking that you would do such a work in your people that there would be much fruit for your glory. Much fruit, God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm asking for your stirring upon every intercessor in the various churches in this region. Father, we're asking that the pastors and intercessors would be of one heart, that the houses of God would be in one accord in the name of Jesus. And, Father, that we would lay aside our agendas. Father, what we think, Lord, everybody thinks they're right. Everybody feels like I've heard from God. But, Lord, you're not duplicious. So, Lord, we're asking that we'd truly be in one accord in where we're going and what we want to see you do. And, Lord, we're going to need a lot of help in this. Because so, for so long, Lord, we've walked in a way. But, Father, I'm asking that fasting and prayer would come back to the forefront in, the, in the, every follower of Jesus. Lord, this life of surrender and submission, obedience, and dying to self, Father. So, Lord, we're asking that what, has, what seems impossible on our end, Lord, is totally possible with you. Lord, I'm asking for your grace upon every believer here. Lord, that you would stir every heart, Lord, that we would no longer settle for business as usual. Because, Father, there you desire that none should perish and there are souls going to hell. And, Father, they could care less what's going on here because we haven't reached out. But, Lord, move upon your people. And, Father, we're really asking, Lord, for a measure of faith in these days. And, Lord, to walk in the fear of the Lord. And to walk humbly with you in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you. Bless this body of people. Every church that's represented, Lord. Lord, we're asking for such a change and a shift, Lord, so that we just don't do things as business as usual, Lord. We can't afford that. And you are worthy to receive the reward of your sufferings. So we bless you. We honor you. We thank you, Father, for your speaking. We declare the things that you have spoken, Lord, that it would be yes and amen. Yes and amen for movements among the youth and all the other things that have been declared here today. May it be for your glory, God. For your glory. For your glory. And we give you the praise. Because you're worthy, oh God. You're worthy. You're worthy. May the Lord bless you and keep you in every way. For he has given his son, certainly he'll give his spirit. Kapana asewe kalahadini amene agawabin.
For know this, that in these days, I have called you to a higher standard. And why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I have said? Have I not spoken plainly? Have I not made my direction clear? For indeed, these are days of which I am calling you up. And I'm calling you to a standard. For the day requires it. This is a day in which I would call you to rise up. To grow up. And to possess that which I've given you. For the sake of those that I've died for. God, I pray a display of true love to be released in the body of Christ in this region. May we truly be known as the heartland, oh God. A heart beating for you, oh God. God, I pray a scattering of real seeds of love, oh God. God, planted into good soil across this region, oh God. God, I thank you, Father, that you're speaking to your church today. And you're calling us into that right plumb line. You're calling us into that right alignment with you today, oh God. God, I thank you, Father, for what you're doing. I thank you again for everyone here today. Father, I pray that, um, I just pray that you would just increase the prophetic voice and the prophetic unity and the power of your spirit in this region, oh God. God, may we truly be known by our love for one another. God, we bless you and thank you for being here. We thank you for leading us by your spirit today, oh God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed this. It's something different today. Um, and then 6.30 tonight, we'll be back here at 6.30 tonight. We've got uh, Coy Russell on for speaking. Thank you.